Hello and welcome to the show that finally knows what it's like to have a transfer war chest. Preston lost just once in their first 12 league games, but when we sent Matt to Deepdale on Friday, they'd lost four on the spin. Uh, at least he couldn't make it any worse. It's a different story for Scunthorpe. Four wins on the spin for them. We've been watching. Are they going to go up? And in a major breach of journalistic protocol, we'll attempt to discuss Forest Green Rovers at length without mentioning wooden stadiums, vegans or biodegradable footballers. Challenge accepted. It's all here on the first morning of the rest of your Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. Yep, it's all change here. No more reusing old tea bags, Matt. Thank God. Right, a brand new era. No more paying the guest in cuddles either. Um, so, yes, there are going to be a few changes around here. We've got a bit of budget. We're going to sort of have a little tinker under the bonnet and, uh, and and relaunch in January. Won't be anything too drastic. I think the format of the show works quite nicely, but we would like to hear from you. Whether there's anything in particular you'd like to see us add, whether there's anything in particular you'd like to see us drop, what kind of show do you want us to make? Uh, now we're a little uh, a little freer and more able to make it. So get in contact. We're on Twitter, at The Totally Show. We're on Facebook, at The Totally Football Show. Instagram, at The Totally Football Show. So get in touch and tell us what you think. I'll tell you what, though. We'll have a hard job improving on today's show. It's a bit of a football manager special, isn't it? So we've got Dean Gripton here. Hi, Dean. Hello. How are you doing? I'm very, very good, thank you. Now, for those who haven't hurriedly signed you on Championship Manager 0102, what is your job? I'm currently the Head of Research for the English Football League at Football Manager. So your job is basically to watch as much football as you can to make Football Manager better? Yes, I'm lucky enough to be able to... Uh, sit at home and devour as much football as I like and uh, as long as it's football league and that keeps me happy and obviously then the more I watch the better the data should hopefully be. I tell you what it's a testament to how interesting your job is that you have my full attention because in my eyeline doing voiceovers in the other other studio is Kim Wilde and yet I'm still 195% focused on what you're saying so what's the what's the average week for you? Well, the, yeah, the average week obviously depends on what time of year it is, and we've just uh, released the game on the 10th of November, so the last three months has just been hectic, collecting all the data, checking it all, analysing it all, making sure we've got every snippet of data right for every player in the Football League. Uh, that's on my personal level, and uh, as a company level, the whole research team has been looking towards you know, getting the research right for not only the English leagues, but Scotland, Europe, all the playable leagues we have in South America... Matt, have you had much time for new football manager game yet? You had a look about? Yeah, I've played a little bit. Not doing as badly as I did in FM17 so far, so, so that's good. <laughs> yeah, that one almost broke you, didn't it? It did, but Rangers have a better squad this time, um, which isn't great news for Pedro Caccini because he obviously didn't last too long with them. <laughs> I was going to ask Dean, how do you scout someone like Leo Bonatini, who comes from Al-Hilal to Wolves, he's top scorer in a championship? Where do you start with that? Well, yeah, I mean, he will have come to he will come into our database in the summer already with a profile from his work from his performances in Brazil, where we have a magnificent uh, research team in Brazil, and uh, also uh, from his time in Asia. So the first thing we have to do is then check his data is correct, all his appearances, all that sort of stuff, his personal information is correct, and then um, yeah, then uh, ask the Wolves researcher to you know take a look at him just to check really that the data we've got in place is okay and then we look at his place in the hierarchy in the Wolves team so his uh is he rated their best player is he rated their worst player sort of thing and then 
check where he's in the hierarchy of the team, make sure he's rated as the best striker at the club to reflect his current position at the club. And from there, then we work into the more micromanagement of looking at his finishing ability, looking at his passing ability and those sorts of things to fit with his current ability, which is the main overall statistic we're looking for. All right. Well, let's find out how Wolves and the rest of the championship are getting on. Producer Ben, hit the anthemic music. Wolves maintain their grip on the top of the championship. They met a spirited Reading side on Saturday, left with a convincing-looking 2-0 victory, but Reading had a right old go at them. That put them back above Sheffield United, who briefly took top spot themselves on Friday when they beat Burton 3-1, a game marred by a serious injury to Paul Coote ruled the midfielder out for the rest of the season. And there were lashings of schadenfreude on Sunday at Leeds, where former boss Gary Monk arrived with his informed Middlesbrough team, and football being football, they were promptly beaten 2-1. Birmingham has scored only two goals in Steve Cottrell's six games in charge, and Che Adams has both of them. The strikers' fifth of the season lifted the Blues out of the relegation zone with a 1-0 win over Nottingham Forest. Brentford's nine-game unbeaten run came to an abrupt halt with a 2-0 defeat to Cardiff. But it could have been a different story had Neil Morpay not missed an open goal to level the score in the first half. And Fulham have still only won once at Craven Cottage, drawing yet again, this time against Derby. What a shambles at Sunderland is not an underused phrase in football, but this weekend you could at least point the finger at both teams, or both goalkeepers, who made between them four cataclysmic errors and a toe-curling two-all draw. Bristol City, they lost a bit of ground at the top when they were held 0-0 by Sheffield Wednesday. And poor old Matt went all the way to Preston for their match with Bolton, and I'm afraid it can best be described as nil and niller. The finish said Lionel Blair, but the celebration said Lionel Messi, as Jordan Spence dangled a leg to rescue a 2-2 draw for Ipswich at Hull. While Barnsley picked up an impressive point on the road at Norwich, Leicester loanee Harvey Barnes scoring for the third time in four matches. And Aston Villa are up to fifth, thanks to a 2-1 win at QPR. Albert Adoma scoring twice to cancel out Jamie Mackey's opener. So, Preston North End, it was all going quite well for Preston. Yeah, they looked like they could be contenders for the playoffs, but the season turned, as so many do, on a humiliation. They were 2-1 up at home to Sunderland, and somehow they managed to screw it up. Broken-hearted at their own ineptitude, they haven't won a game since. In fact, they'd lost four on the bounce until Friday. So, Matt, you must have turned up to find a pretty nervous deep dale. Yeah, it was an awful game. The wor- <laughs> definitely the worst match. The worst match I've seen this season. I-, I was looking at stats afterwards, and apparently there were seven shots on target, and I can't remember a single one of them. So I think wow. you had a Preston side that were devoid of confidence, and... I'm looking across to our Bolton fan guest here, but a Bolton side that sadly lack a bit of quality at this level, I think. And even though Bolton, unbeaten six now, they just, you know, they, they don't really have anyone up front that's going to score enough goals for them to eke out victories in matches like this. And Preston couldn't get behind that deep defensive line. I can't believe you're dismissing Gary Medine like that. Um, Alex Neal. It's easy to forget now uh, because football moves so quickly and so hysterically, but he did such a good job bringing Norwich up. Obviously, went back down again after one season. He lost his job there, but um, seems like a perfect, perfect place for him to restart his career. It does, and he had a great start as well. They've scored a lot of goals. Preston. They managed to keep hold of Jordan Hugill in the summer, despite that ten million interest from Wolves, and uh, they beat Cardiff actually three 0 I think it was Cardiff's first defeat earlier in the campaign. So they've got plenty of attacking talent in that squad, and I think uh, you know he's complained recently about the injuries. Hugill was suspended against Bolton on Friday night so if he gets a full squad back then yeah they can 
hopefully challenge for a position around the playoffs. Well, he has got lots of players coming back, and Jordan Hugo should uh, should be in, in the reckoning for the game at Bristol City tonight. He actually said, Alex Neal, um, last week that every fit senior player was in the matchday squad. Uh, if anyone else had dropped out, it would be the him or the kit man who came in. So that's that's the situation over there. Dean, Preston, they're, they're kind of a perfect club for football manager, aren't they? They are, and uh, when they have a new manager as well, that, uh, that's always something we have to look at, the managerial statistics in the game, because, of course, we try and model how Preston play with the, under Alex Neal by modelling Alex Neal's stats. So that means a higher tempo of game and more pressing, which uh, is something that's helped a player like Ben Pearson. He's now second in the tackling stats for the Championship this season, and he says he's benefiting from playing that new style of football. Alex Neal's a very intense man, isn't he? A press conference with him, it's... It's kind of only. I think he's about the same age as you, isn't he, Matt? Yeah, he's quite a young manager, and uh, he did really well in Scotland actually at Hamilton at yeah. the start of his career. Uh, he does sit down though, at least in a press conference. He's not. He doesn't do a Tony Pulis. It's not that intense. <laughs> um, what kind of players? If if you were going to take over at Preston, Dean, what kind of players should you be looking out for? Who's the best there? Well, Greg Cunningham was the player that uh, got a lot of attention in the summer, the left back. But uh, he's been injured a lot of the season, and uh, he's been replaced by a youngster called Josh Earl who is a young player, 19-year-old uh, defender, who's uh, we've had to build a new FM profile for him totally from scratch, really, this season. Oh, really? With the How researcher. Come? Because it's his first season in the first team. And while, obviously, when you play in the reserves and youth team football, you create a basic profile for a player, it's only when they're playing in first team football you can really see what the player's made of. And behind the scenes, they've got quite a good youth set up there, haven't they? Uh, yes, they have, yeah. And... Um, uh, They've also got a very good scouting network. They've started looking to buy in Ireland. They've bought a number of players from Ireland, including the, the PFA Irish Player of the Year, Sean Maguire. He's made a good start to his career there. And um, Kevin O'Connor also in defence just started recently. So an Irish contingent there at Preston. Well, they certainly need um, some bargains. They had their financial results out recently. Turnover quite pleasingly up. Uh, 13.5 million off the top of my head. But the problem is that almost all of it goes straight out the door on wages. The the owner, Trevor Hemmings, he's still putting money in, about £5 million a year just to keep them ticking over. And uh, I think this quote really sums up the situation for half the championship. Cash flow continues to be adverse as the club has contracted a squad with wages which are high in comparison with its revenue. Pretty much in the championship, you're either Burton Albion or you're one of that handful of clubs still existing on Premier League turnover or else you're, you're just scrapping, aren't you, Matt? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and you look at the money that Wolves have been spending and you've got George Mendes involved. He's, yeah. That's their, he's, his biggest project now, which is amazing, really, a championship club in England. And they're talking about spending £15 million to make Jota's move permanent in January as well it's it's hard to catch it with those clubs Middlesbrough spent 40 million quid Villa of course last season and yeah Villa last season and Bruce is complaining this season he hasn't been <laughs> able to spend because of FFP so uh, yeah it's it's really difficult for clubs like Preston that uh, don't have that financial might behind them and this is where you get another problem I think in, in recent times um, which is the football manager syndrome where you get so many people who are sat at home being really good at football manager that they look at a club like Preston and go Oh, I can do it on my laptop. Why can't you do that in real life? Is that something that you get complaints about from the football fraternity? Uh, we sometimes do. I think uh, those sorts of people often complain that FM's a little bit easy sometimes. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure, as you know yourself, FM is a very simple game. Yeah, I imagine it is easy if you save and quit after every game, like a fraction of a man. You're... <laughs> Not you, of course. <laughs> Dear me. Um, right, uh, do you want some fun facts about Preston? Yeah, of course you do, because producer Ben's written them all down. 
Yeah, the first KFC outside North America was built in Preston in 1965. You know that? Probably eaten there, yeah. Have you? Yeah, there you go. I think I took a girl I date there, actually, once. We're not, we're not still together. <laughs> Butch Cassidy's father, Maximilian, lived in Preston. Uh, it's even said that Butch had a Lancashire accent. So there you go. There is that. Do you want to know how you get to Preston? Uh, I would like to know, because I got stuck in a one-way system on Friday night after the game, and I think I spent 45 minutes driving around and around uh, until I finally thought, this is it, this time I'm getting out of it, and then took the wrong turning again. That's ironic, because Preston was the birthplace of the UK's motorway network, and the Preston bypass... Oh, I'm going to stop with this. Um, I was just going to offer... Um, I really don't want to ever to go to Preston ever again. I sport two teams, Torquay United and Birmingham City. My only two visits to Deepdale was... 1996, Torquay lost a playoff semi-final at Preston, the last game on the plastic pitch. And then, of course, 2001, when Birmingham lost on penalties, when Trevor Francis argued with the referee about which end the penalties were going to be taken. Horrible, horrible <laughs> memories. I don't really want to go to Deep Bell ever again. Well, yeah. if... If you ever do get over that trauma, you can take the train, Preston Railway Station, about a mile and a half from the ground. It's about a 25-minute walk, but it is a walk that goes past a lot of pubs. Or you can take the bus, Preston's bus station, which was built in the late 1960s and is described by the modern architectural charity, the 20th Century Society, as one of the most significant, brutalist buildings in the UK. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. <laughs> uh, tickets are £24 or £15 for 19 to 21s, £8 for 11 to 18s and £2 for under 11s, which is a lot of staggering, but, um, but that does sound like good value. When we come back after the break, we'll be playing Fan League. Listeners, you like stats and so do I. So have a bang on this one. 81% of men who try the Cornerstone Razor... Don't go back to their old one. I know. Find out more and get £10 off your first order and free delivery too at cornerstone.co.uk slash totally. All right, you know what the Fan League is by now, don't you? You download it off the App Store by typing in Fan League. You get a slip with 13 games and you pick home win, away win or draw. Uh, You don't need any help on Premier League games, but... You probably do need help on the championship and you probably need it from someone better than us given our recent record. But let's have a look at what we've got. First up is Wolverhampton Wanderers against Bolton. Matt, surely home win. It's going to be a home win, definitely. (laughs) Dean? I think you can only say that's a home win, can't you, really? There's no John McGinley for Bolton these days, so that's an old name that Wolves fans uh, distrust, but uh, they haven't got threats like that anymore, so it should be okay for Wolves today. Are we being hasty here? Bolton haven't lost in a while, have they? Um, yeah, they're six unbeaten now, but you know Wolves got an impressive win at the weekend in the away to Reading, who have been recovering a bit themselves lately. So I think it's it's difficult to see past Wolves. Really, <laughs> what it is, yeah, six games they haven't lost, but they haven't played Wolves in any of those games. No, that's got home win written all over it. Middlesbrough, oh oh, how much that must have hurt. Did you see that on Sunday, Leeds Middlesbrough? I did, yeah, and uh, I think. Uh, Gary Monk might feel a little bit let down by his players, actually. Going back to Leeds, he, he would really wanted a result there. They weren't really at the races. Um, Gary Monk's poker face, by the way, is magnificent. He basically had the same facial expression for the two hours that he was in and around the technical area, um, which I, I, I respect. Don't want to play cards against him. Uh, might want to play football against him, though, if this does precipitate a little wobble. Derby County, one of the teams we find it so hard to predict. Uh, what's going to happen here? 
Middlesbrough have won only one of the last four home games and uh, only scored three goals. And British Sombolonga only seems to be able to score away from the Riverside Stadium. So uh, only nine goals in their eight games at home so far. Yeah, I'm not comfy with this. I'm, I'm fence-sitting and saying draw. Absolutely. Definitely a draw. <laughs> okay. I, wish, I wish I got it in before you. Well I, well, I was impressed with Derby's win at Norwich recently and uh, Vidra has got eight goals this season. He only got five last season, so uh, he's certainly on fire this season. I fancy a Derby away win. OK, well, we talked about Fulham. We've talked about Fulham quite a lot. We thought when they desumoed themselves, they might have some kind of bounce, some kind of stability. They haven't won in their last six. Um, they're down to 17th and they've got Millwall. And Millwall are the kind of team that pop up and ruin the form card. Yeah, but not away from home. Millwall don't travel too well, actually. And uh, I think that this could be quite a straightforward home victory, much needed home victory. Yeah, I've been saying straightforward home victory to Fulham all season long. I'm not sure if I've been right once. I think this might be a game with a, where goals are in short supply. Um, Ruby Fonte's 10 games without a goal up front for Fulham doesn't seem to have been a particularly good signing for Jukanovic and uh, Millwall, their strikers, Elliot, Gregory and Morrison have only scored four goals between them all season <laughs> and uh, five draws away from home though for them. Just one win at home all mm. season for Fulham, six draws at home, more than anyone else in the division. Um, damn, torn between draw and home win. I'm going to say draw in the hope that I hex them into a home win. Yeah, How kind of you. Yeah, strategic superstition that. Uh, Sheffield United, Birmingham. Sheffield United, they did win on Friday, but... Uh, at great cost, Paul Coote, fine player, um, out for the rest of the season now. Is that going to shake them? Could Birmingham won uh, against Nottingham Forest. I went to the uh, Burton-Sheffield United game on Friday evening and uh, I, I found it was uh, probably difficult to learn how good Sheffield United were against the Burton team who really looked uh, lacking energy and short of ideas really in midfield. Uh, Sheffield United overran them in midfield even after Coots went off, Lundstrom came on and you didn't really see the join. Uh, and in defence, Clement Carter-Vickers and Jake Wright had a relatively easy evening. Yeah, I'm I'm very keen on Sheffield United. I'd very much like them to go up. Um, and uh, yeah, I'll go home win. Are we all home win with that? Yeah, I'm home win as well. Uh, I think Steve Cotter would be begging Che Adams to score again because that's the only route to victory <laughs> at the moment. I think this game is a case of a consistent team selection where uh, Sheffield United have been picking generally the same 11 players all season against a very inconsistent team selection where Birmingham have been chopping and changing, looking for the winning formula all season, really. OK, that is the Fan League. You find it on the App Store by searching Fan League. If you've tried to link up with the Totally Football League, league, um, you may only just have been accepted. Uh, there was some little problem there. I thought no one was interested, but it turned out over 250 people were in some holding bay that it wasn't alerting me to. But if you have applied, you're in now. If not, search for my name, Ian McIntosh, um, and you can join up with us there. I'm not doing very well, but at least I've played, Matt. At least I've played. Bottom of the table, zero points. It's not the commitment we expect here. You are listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill when we come back, League One. League One, then. Let's do the roundup. What stopped Shrewsbury? Nothing. Nothing stops Shrewsbury. Even Rotherham, who've scored more goals at home than most teams have home and away, they couldn't do it. They lost 2-1 with Kiefer Moore missing a penalty. And the Shrews, or the Shrows if you really insist, are four points clear of Wigan, who lost at home to Bradford after a last-minute goal from Tyrell Robinson. 
And look at Gillingham go under no longer caretaker manager but now actual manager Steve Lovell. They beat Walsall 1-0 away from home. They're one of the form teams in the league and they are out of the relegation zone. AFC Wimbledon spanked Bristol Rovers 3-1 to climb out of the bottom three. While Bradley Dack, Super Bradley Dack, had a hand in all three goals as Blackburn cruised to a 3-0 win at struggling Bury. And Carl Robinson must have thought Charlton had secured three points when he took the lead against his former side MK Dons in the 87th minute. But Peter Paulett was sent tumbling in a box and Kieran Agard levelled the scores from the spot right at the death. Plymouth beat high-flying Bradford in their own backyard last week. So what happened when they invited inconsistent Oxford down to the southwest? Yeah, they got gubbed 4-0, didn't they? Because this division cannot be tamed. Peterborough, on the other hand, now they've been tamed. They were flying in the early stages of the season, but they're 21st in the form table now. They're 11th in the real one, and they lost 1-0 at home to Blackpool. And in other news, Portsmouth beat an unnamed team from Essex 1-0. Well done, well done, let's move on. It's almost a month since Fleetwood's last win in League One, following a 0-0 draw with Doncaster. But Scunthorpe's promotion push remains on track, with a convincing 3-0 victory away to Northampton. And it's now 17 points from a possible 24 for Richie Wellen to Oldham after Owen Doyle's late brace and a 3-1 win against local rivals Rochdale. Right, Scunthorpe. Let's have a look at Scunthorpe. <laughs> they were formed in 1899, but they weren't admitted to the Football League until 1950. Before that, they are in the Midland League under the catchy name of Scunthorpe and Lindsay, and then they kept until 1958. And then they dropped the Lindsay and they rose to the second division, where they stayed for all of six years before sinking into the third in 1964. It would be nearly 50 years before they came back. Here's another question for you, Dean. Uh, three post-war England captains have played for Scunthorpe. Who were they? Kevin Keegan, Ray Clements and Ian Both. Oh, I knew you'd get that. <laughs> Yeah, you can always tell. In 1988, they became the first league club in the post-war era to move to a new custom-built stadium, Glanford Park. Uh, there was some serious playoff heartbreak at the turn of the decade. But in 1997, Brian Laws, he of the plate of chicken and Ivano Bonetti's cheekbones, uh, he arrived for a nearly unbroken nine-year spell at the club. He took him up from the fourth in 1999, couldn't keep them up. In 2004, he was sacked, but he was reinstated just three weeks later after a boardroom power struggle. Now, there were just four games to go, and Scunthorpe were in serious danger of the drop. Surely, Laws, the returning hero, couldn't save the day? No, no, he couldn't. They went down. But they came back up again the following season, and then Laws left for Sheffield Wednesday. With Laws gone, Scunthorpe needed some thinking time, so they put their physio in charge for a bit. Nice, unassuming chap by the name of Nigel Atkins. Boom. Up they went to the second flight for the first time since the Beatles had mop tops. They came back down again, of course, but then they went back up and they stayed up. Adkins went to Southampton and the magic was gone. Down they came, into the third, and despite Brian Law's second return, down into the fourth as well. They came back up under Russ Wilcox, though he didn't last too long, and they're not that far away from going back up again, are they, Matt? No, they're playing very well. Four wins in a row and a uh, great win at Northampton at the weekend. Northampton have won the previous three before this game and little mini revival there going on under Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank. And uh, yeah, they were completely pushed aside in the second half. I'm not surprised. Um, Scunthorpe are away at Bradford this week and Bradford were, I think, a little concerned. Very respectful comments from their camp ahead of this because Scunthorpe have uh, won five and drawn three in all competitions. Uh, Dean, you see much of them? Um, well, I'm a little concerned for Scunthorpe with uh, Bradford and then Charlton coming up on Saturday because uh, they've only lost four games this season, but they've lost to the teams around them in the league, Blackburn and Wigan at home and Shrewsbury and Rotherham away. So that um, 
shows to me that maybe Scunthorpe are lacking just that little bit of something extra when it comes to those big matches. They're a funny lot, though. We've, we've watched them a couple of times on here because they've tended to be playing, I think, Shrewsbury and Rotherham um, as we're watching them ahead of the, the new show. And they always look like a really good team. They just miss out by the odd goal, just a, a couple of little individual errors or things like that. But Matt, um, someone stood out for you on Saturday. That's right. Akib Adelaken playing on the left side opposite Holmes. He played brilliantly and he set up all three goals for Scunthorpe in that second half. He doesn't strike me as the sort of player that likes to track back too much, to be honest. But, <laughs> but going forward, he was brilliant. He played two fantastic passes through to Holmes for both of his goals. Dwayne Octavius Holmes, I should say. We Ooh, can't nice. mention him without including that middle name. Octavius. And uh, Adelaken, he started out at West Ham Crystal Palace, actually, as a, a youngster and then moved to Scunthorpe a few years ago. And he's already played over 100 league games for him, even though he's only 21, which is quite impressive going. Dean, do you know much about him? Uh, yes, he's, a, he's a very, very quick player and um, works hard as well for the team. So, yes, uh, I think the interesting uh, angle about uh, him and Holmes doing so well on Saturday is that uh, Josh Morris, who's been the talisman of the team the last uh, season and a half, he was uh, he was missing from the left side of midfield on Saturday in the win at Northampton. And uh, how is he going to get his place back if uh, those two are linking up like that? Well, he is um, available. Um, that, that's tonight, of course, that they're playing Bradford. Uh, he, he is going to be back in the reckoning. Matt, you know a little bit about him because he used to be at Blackburn. I do, yeah. We had him at Blackburn as a youngster, but as with several promising players around that time, he uh, he was played out of position at left-back, which I think stunted his development a bit. And we actually let him go, and it was it was Bradford who picked him up on a free transfer, and they'll be kicking themselves even more than us, because they then let him move to Scunthorpe on a free, and then last season he scored 19 goals and added 17 assists, so Bradford would probably be worried about being haunted by him tonight. <laughs> They'll also be worried about uh, Rory McArdle, of course. Their uh, long-serving central defender left Bradford last season, big part of their success in the last few years. And, of course, he's been a mainstay of Scunthorpe's defence, kept a few clean sheets recently. Matt Jukes has uh, really impressed in goal since he's come in this season. That was actually the big focus for Alexander in his post-match mm. comments, which I found sort of interesting because it was all about that second-half performance going forwards and... Uh, Holmes' two goals, obviously, and Adelaide's performance on the left side. But Alexander was keen to emphasise the importance of the clean sheet. And last year, uh, Scunthorpe actually scored more goals than Bolton, who went up in second place. He scored 80 goals, 12 more than Bolton. So going forward, they've always been a threat. But Alexander, former defender himself, clearly keen to keep it tight at the back. Yeah, Alexander, of course, the penalty maestro um, in uh, in his playing career. Um, used to think that around about 100 games for a manager was what you needed just to get your feet under the table and figure out what you had and what you wanted. Uh, these days, if you get that far, you've done all right, haven't you? And he is just about to get that far, I think. He is, but uh, you should probably tell that to Fleetwood because he took them up in his first full season, up to League One, and they started pretty poorly in their uh, in their first season up in League One. And, and they got rid of Alexander, who's now gone on to scump up and done a brilliant job there. But... It's you know I think it's important obviously to to give managers time isn't it and to to see how they do uh, once if they've got a settled squad and everything and you look at Plymouth doing it this season with Derek Adams after he brought them up uh, you've got Phil Parkinson with Bolton and they're now on an unbeaten run in the Championship and I think Alexander's shown that the, he has a lot of quality and uh, you know a lot of good knowledge of how to to run a side. Yeah, they're not far off, are they? I mean, they're fourth in the table, just four points back of uh, second place Wigan. Just maybe not quite good enough for automatic promotion, but worth a bet for the playoff? Yeah, I think so. I think they'll definitely be around the playoffs. All right. Well, listen, if you want to go see uh, Scunthorpe, um, producer Ben's told me Scunthorpe was voted the least romantic place in Britain. 
so don't go looking for that, but do go looking for good football. Tickets are between 21 and 25 quid for adults, so it is £7 for under-18s and free for under-12s. We definitely approve of that. Uh, Glanford Park is, according to the website, one of the easiest grounds to find in the Football League. You'll have to let us know about that. It's just off the M181, and there are 600 parking spaces at the stadium, £3 a vehicle. If you're taking the train, Scunthorpe Station's two miles from the ground, so uh, bring comfy shoes. We'll be back after the break, but before we get to that, uh, last week we spoke about Bradford, and we mentioned the Bradford movie. Matt? Yeah, and we sent David Hartrick along last week to check out this film about the club's German owners and their first year in charge, and here's what he had to say. Football documentaries are quite a difficult thing to get right. When they're good, they're the impossible job and they are completely unforgettable or something like the two Escobars. When they're bad, they're something like the class of 92, which you've forgotten about before it's actually ended. Um, Matter of Heart, which is Bradford City's new documentary, is a football documentary with a bit of a twist in that the football is a bit of a sideshow. You only see three goals in the 90 minutes and two of them are scored by Millwall. What this is, is two owners being pretty frank and honest about A, why they bought the club, B, where they want to take the club over the next sort of 10 to 15 years, the Bradford project, as they call it, and C, the fact that they haven't got pots and pots of cash to throw at it. And if you're a Bradford City fan, it's pretty much essential because Stefan Ruff and Edin Reich have come into the club. And as I said, there is a slightly cynical edge to what they're doing. But you will learn very, very quickly that they have a passion for Bradford. They have a passion for Bradford City. They understand it's a working class town. They understand there are limits to certain things and there shouldn't be limits to other things. And you see over the course of this documentary that they really put themselves into the community. They really put themselves into the club. And basically, if you go on to Bradford City's website, there is a link there to matteroftheart.co.uk, where for the price of postage, which I think is four ninety nine, you will get a free copy of the DVD. And if you're a Bradford City fan, I don't know why you wouldn't. It's 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 certainly worth an hour and a half of your time. Welcome back. Uh, here at the Totally Football League show, in association with William Hill, we do like to acknowledge uh, our mistakes and errors, and we would like to apologise for that previous section. We left out some very important Scunthorpe information. Matt? They do a midweek carvery, a and, and mid-week it looks carvery. fantastic. What? Tell me about the midweek carvery. Head down to Glanford Park, and uh, I see them tweeting about this all the time, and it's usually a Wednesday morning, I think. I think it's Wednesdays that they do the carvery, and I'm just there, like, salivating at the sight of this succulent meat and... Uh, you know, all the trimmings. And I think, yeah, we should, I've said it before, we should go down for our Christmas too. That's where we should have it. You said it's the least romantic place in the country, but I, I would happily go with uh, a lady friend to Scunthorpe to have a carvery and stop me from talking in. Stop me right now. <laughs> well, if anyone from Scunthorpe's listening and would like to invite us over, uh, yeah, we'd, we'd, definitely, we'd definitely be up for that. Should we get on with League Two? I think we probably should. Hit the music, Ben. For the third time this season, Luton Town hit seven goals in a game, a feat unprecedented in the entire history of the Football League. There were two goals for one of Rob Lee's children, two for another of Rob Lee's children, and one for Steve Potts's boy too. So the question must be asked, is this only the start of the Hatter's DNA programme? 
Oh, imagine what you could do with Steve Evans' DNA. There's back-to-back wins for Mansfield now after their 1-0 victory over Stevenage. But League Two is still very much Notts County's dominion. Kevin Nolan's side are two points clear at the top. 3-1 victors over Cheltenham with another two goals for Forest Loney. George Grant, that is 11 for him this season. It took a late equaliser from Malik Wilkes to snatch a point for high-flying Accrington at home to Newport. While Chesterfield finally, finally have a second league win under Jack Lester, beating Exeter 1-0 thanks to Christian Dennis's 12th of the season. And it finished 0-0 between Colchester and Morecambe at the Western Homes Community Stadium. Harry Kuehl, he of Harry Kuehl's Crawley TM, was involved in an altercation with his own supporters on Saturday as his side went down 4-0 to Wickham Wanderers. Hat-trick there from Craig McHale-Smith. Uh, Crawley are 21st now, Wickham for their part of 5th. One place behind Swindon, whose extraordinary away run continued with a 2-1 victory at Yeovil at 7 on the road for them now this season. And there was no honeymoon for Mark McGee at Barnet. The Bees went down to a late penalty to Neil Aspin's recovering Port Vale side. Vale were in the bottom two not so long ago. They're 19th and rising. Someone's got a five on them for promotion. Ooh. <laughs> not going to happen. Forest Green came from behind to beat Crewe 3-2 with Alex Jakovic getting the winner in the last minute. While Grimsby have now gone four games without a goal, losing 1-0 at home to Carlisle. Ian, please don't send me to Grimsby. <laughs> and Duckings Nason bagged the winner for Coventry at Lincoln to keep Mark Robinson's side in the playoff spots. Let's move on. Forest Green and the history section, which is rapidly becoming the drum solo section of the pod in which the drummer really enjoys it and everyone else goes to get a drink. Nevertheless, Forest Green. You know where Forest Green actually are in the country? Wales? <laughs> Close enough. Actually, not that far away. It's sort of north of Bath and south of Gloucester. I say that because I spoke to a mate about this at the weekend. He had no idea where they are. Thought they were near Bournemouth. Anyway, they were formed in 1889 by Reverend Peach. Uh, they only took the Rovers' bit of their name in 1893. They pinged about in leagues like the Stroud League and the Gloucestershire Northern Senior League for years. Uh, in 1926, they enclosed their hitherto open pitch at the top of the hill, and it became known as the Lawn. And they bought the lawn 10 years later in auction. You know how much for? How much? 120 quid. Absolute bargain. God, that's all right, isn't it? After the Second World War, they played in the County League and the Hellenic League. They won the FA Vars in 1982. Promoted that same year to the Southern League Midland Division. Uh, They briefly changed their name in the 1980s to Stroud FC. But that didn't go well. And in 1992, though, Forest Green Rovers again. The little club on the hill, as they are known, they made the conference in 1998. Everyone thought they'd go straight back down, but they confounded expectations by staying there. Uh, They moved to the new lawn in 2006, and in 2010, and this is the important bit, they were taken on by Stroud boy Dungood, former New Age traveller turned eco-magnate Dale Vince. Now... Dale Vince did all the stuff that you've read about a million times elsewhere in countless articles with the vegan stuff and the robots and all of that that we're not going to go into. Um, For the most important part, uh, from the team's point of view, was that he brought cash, cash to attract better players, cash to build up residual bad feeling with pretty much everybody else in non-league. Dave Hockaday had a crack there before Leeds. AD Pennock was there. Uh, They actually sacked him just before an unsuccessful playoff campaign. And then came son of former England international Terry Cooper, Mark Cooper. And this time they did go up, didn't they, Matt? They did. They went up in the playoff final and after a slow start in League Two, they've started to recover. They really have because uh, I, I caught them on the telly a, a few weeks ago, sort of half watching them. And I, th- I just looked at them and thought, oh God, they're going to get creamed. They're, they're just so far off. 
Um, but I watched them in hideous conditions against Crewe, and I was I was quite impressed. They they're really endeavouring to play football, which admittedly they were earlier in the season. It just really wasn't working out for them, and um, the the conditions were horrible. And Crewe were defending deep, hitting them on the break. I went down to a cracking old fashioned diving header from Chris Porter, uh, but I was really impressed with the midfield too. Uh, Dresa Traore and uh, once of Le Havre, I think, and Isaiah Osborne once of Villa. Um, a nice little and large partnership in the middle there. Yeah, we actually had a piece on a set pieces last season, an interview with Dresa Traore before the playoff final, and he was talking a bit about his time at Le Havre, where he played alongside Riyad Mahrez and Paul Pogba Did in he? the academy. Yeah, uh, he, he was nicknamed a Conference Kante last season, I believe, <laughs> for his performances. He's, uh, you know, he, he likes to, to to press. He's competitive player, but he's he's best with the ball. That's yeah. his, his biggest asset, and he he uh, he really sets the tempo for Mark Cooper's side in midfield. And yeah, he still speaks to Pogba. Apparently, still still calls him uh, up a couple of times a week and calls him his brother. Actually, I think like like Kante, um, they're both much better on the ball than your perspective diminutive defensive midfielders you expect him to be just a bit of a guard dog but he's, he's a very decent player yeah and I think that's what they did against Crew, wasn't it they kept the ball moving throughout and like you said they were, they were positive in terrible conditions and Crew just eventually got worn down really and the defending for uh, Forest Green's second equaliser was just abysmal wasn't it the, the, the space that was afforded to the man that we've so far uh, refrained from mentioning because we're not sure how to pronounce Christian Doidge you... Doidge <laughs> you, you wait to go Doidge I'm going yeah. Doidge I was waiting for you to go first and then I'd just follow because uh, that's the courage I have. Uh, he was, of course, released by Southampton for being too small. He's six foot two now, so that didn't work out. <laughs> um, and uh, the winning goal came from defender uh, Alex. Uh, and again, I'm, I'm stuck here. Yakoviti. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I got one right. Um, he said afterwards, it's a great comeback because they were 1-0 down, then 2-1 down. Shows what all the lads have got. Great desire, great belief. I don't really want to get too high, he says. Um, most people just have a pint to celebrate, but OK. Uh, I know I scored the winner, but I want to move on to Chesterfield now and try and get the job done there. Which well, he's going to help Chesterfield stay up as well. <laughs> what a generous guy. <laughs> what a lovely club they are. Um, I remember Mark Cooper actually after the 4 0 defeat at home to Newport in October. He looked just so miserable. And yeah. he was saying about the experienced players letting him down, not doing basic things right. And it really looked like they were heading straight back into non league, didn't it? And since then, they've won four out of five in League Two. And things are completely looking up. It's yeah. totally t- turned around. They just look like that archetypal kind of they've come up playing good football they're going to carry on playing good football oh my god everyone's a lot better up here kind of team but no it's working out there's other players there uh, Keanu Marsh-Brown who presumably his parents were big Bill and Ted fans um, he was getting a lot of attention a few years back uh, one of the brightest players of his generation never quite worked out for him Dean you must see a lot of these in your line of work Oh yeah, yes, yes. They're, and they're they're sometimes going to be the hardest players to assess because they've been in and out of teams or they've uh, had loan spells that haven't worked here and there. And but we have to, you know, uh, work work with our researchers and retain their faith and you know ensure that we trust their assessments of the players. If, and um, uh, and if they do come back to us saying, hey, this guy has really turned it on this season, then we then we go that with that assessment. And for Keanu Marsh Brown, he's been restored to the team after being excluded earlier on in the season, and uh, he's a player we'll certainly be looking at to uh, amend in our winter data update, which will be uh, after the January transfer window for a football manager. Now, if Preston is a kind of perfect football manager job in that there's nice big stadium, there's room for growth, you know, it's big club, Forest Green. I mean, that's got to be the worst club you can take on because they're, they're already flying so high. 
Well, maybe, but on the other hand, I think if you're a, if you're a manager who plays FM who's not that confident, you might get a little bit more time when you're playing at a club like Forest Green. Whereas uh, if you go in to try and play as somebody like Sunderland and you lose your first four games there, or, or you're Everton. already Everton, or maybe. Everton, yes, you're yeah. already going to be, you know, walking the tightrope. So if you're Playing as a team like Forest Green, uh, one of my tips would be to manipulate the loan market, as Mark Cooper's done in in reality, really, bringing in Fitzwalker and Iav Cavetti in defence. So definitely, when you're playing in the lower leagues in Football Manager, really look at those loan markets, bringing young players. And of course, when you're playing Football Manager at the higher levels, loan your young players out and give them experience. Right, well, I'm playing Football Manager at the higher levels right now, but I suspect it won't be long before I'm at the lower levels. Matt? Tell that to Eddie Pennock about the amount of time afforded to managers. I think if I was on FM and I was sacked before a playoff game, I would have smashed my laptop to pieces. <laughs> right, that's Forest Green. Um, there is parking at the new lawn. You suspect they disapprove of it, though. Um, and you do have to be uh, getting in there early to grab a spot. Uh, £5 parking. If you want to avoid that, you can park in the centre of Nailsworth for free. However, it should be said the stadium is at the top of a very steep hill that even the club website says only the fit and healthy should take it on uh, generally public transport and they say that's better for the environment too tickets uh, there's terracing there and you can get on there for 18 quid on match day 14 for senior citizens 9 quid for young adults uh, 6 quid for under 16s and kids under 11 go free so that's two clubs this week sending uh, letting kids in for free which is lovely when we come back well we're going to be joined by Joe Crilly from William Hill Now, if you've been listening for a while, you'll know that Matt and I make for a pretty odd couple. How about we talk about a couple of odds? Hey, it's Joe Crilly from our new friends at William Hill. Hello. How are you? I'm very good, thank you, and thank you for having me. No problem at all. You've been very well behaved sat there in the corner. Have you been playing Football Manager? It's on my computer, but I haven't been playing. I've been, I've been too interested listening to what's going on. Oh, so. God bless you. All right, he can stay. Um, you're a big Bolton fan, so... Uh, Sadly, yeah. Difficult season for you. Yeah, uh, things are taking a turn for the better, uh, I suppose. Uh, six games unbeaten, and but rather infuriatingly sandwiched between the two victories in our five-game unbeaten spell before the uh, rather riveting Preston game last Friday... We were actually leading all three of those games going into the last 10 minutes, so it could have been so much better, but it looks like things are turning round. What's the feeling towards Phil Parkinson there? Because uh, like eight, nine games in, it must have been like, oh, God. Yeah, the uh, hashtag Parky Out Brigade were, uh, were very much vocal on uh, Twitter. That's a um, bit harsh, isn't it? Straight yeah. after a promotion. Yeah, I, I thought it was. And I, as an avid football manager player, uh, I like to see managers given time. Uh, from a personal perspective. Um, and I was willing to give him a bit of time. And our two best players in uh, Josh Vailer and Sami Amiobi were also out injured. It's no coincidence that their return has coincided with this unbeaten run. And you've got Carl Henry as well. You signed him at end of September and, and that's coincided with that run. Um, I've seen him play twice in, in the stadium this season. The first time he was booked inside the first 14 minutes... At Preston on Friday, it was inside the first two minutes. So that's a little bit of edge to your midfield, doesn't it? Yeah, I did I did send out a rather snarky tweet when we got him in on a free because uh, obviously Jay Spearing left, our, uh, our captain, last season. Um, and I did say replacing a 28-year-old Jay Spearing with a 34-year-old Carl Henry in the championship, <laughs> perhaps not the best thing to do, but I am willing to eat my words because he has been... Very, very good. And again, he has coincided with this winning or, or unbeaten streak that we're on. Well, Bolton 
Um, you would have to say, in that sort of form, have a decent chance of getting out of the uh, relegation. Um, Chris Coleman at Sunderland. What do uh, you and the giant brains at William Hill make of that? What are the odds of him actually keeping them up? They're odds on to stay up. Oh, really? At 8 to 15. And I think, I mean, obviously they haven't been playing very well. Uh, but they brought in Chris Coleman to replace Simon Grayson, who I think I think he himself knows that perhaps leaving Preston wasn't <laughs> the best thing to do to go to uh, to go to, to Sunderland uh, the way that they have been over the last couple of years. Um, but Chris Coleman, with his experience at Wales, you think he might be able to galvanise the, the the squad because I mean, when Darren Gibson was was caught out on the lash, uh, and he he was saying in no uncertain terms that. Sunderland aren't very good. Uh, I think that showed that perhaps there was a lack of team spirit. Uh, and and one thing that Chris Coleman did really really well. Was uh, go out <laughs> well, yeah. I was just thinking Real Sociedad where he was late for his first press conference and it transpired that he'd been sampling the nightclubs of San Sebastian. I mean, maybe this is how it's all going to turn around. Uh, under the ruse of uh, having a broken washing machine. Yes, I that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I think he he will get he will certainly uh, boost morale there. Um, you saw. Sunderland getting a, a late equaliser at the weekend, uh, which perhaps is the, uh, the, the the catalyst maybe for a, a run and, and, and a couple of wins, which they obviously need. So yeah, odds on uh, 8 to 15 well, to, to uh, avoid relegation. I do have a lot of love for, for Sunderland, though. It is strange that you can go from a European Championship semi-final to the place where dreams die. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to more cheerful subjects. Uh, TV games this week. We've got Barnsley and Leeds coming up. Um, Barnsley to win that, I reckon. Yeah, well, it's, it's interesting. I was having a little look at the uh, at the, the, the table and um, Leeds obviously got the win at the weekend after the international break. They had been on a bit of a, a sticky, mm. sticky run of, of games. Uh, I, I believe it was three defeats in a row, wasn't it? Um, so they, it was good that they got the victory, but Barnsley themselves are on a little bit of a run at the moment. They're moving away from uh, the, the relegation zone, um, and at thirteen to eight, they certainly look like a, a decent bet. You'd look at that and you'd think uh, Paul Heckingbottom, um, you know, staying at the club. Maybe there'll be a bit of a bounce out of that as well. Uh, Dean, I was going to ask about Harvey Barnes. Then, um, what sort of odds might he be to uh, open the scoring on Saturday? He's got three goals in the last four games and uh, looks a bit of a prospect. Another lone player. Well. He is seven to one to open the scoring and nine to four to score any time. Ek Ugbo and Tom Bradshaw are the favourites for Barnsley. And then, if you're looking at Leeds, uh, Kamar Roof, no surprise there. He's uh, he's the favourite to open the scoring for them. A lot of TV games on this weekend. Sheffield United, Birmingham is the other. Uh, Dean, um, you've you've got a stat for me about Sheffield United, haven't you? Well. Yes, uh, I mentioned uh, the consistent team selection and uh, seven of their team have started 13 of the 17 games. So that's a real backbone of their side, including the goalkeeper Jamal Blackman, another loanee who looks an imposing figure in goal. And Billy Sharp started 12 games. So, you know, that's a real... When you've got an unchanged team, remember that, football manager fans, when you've got an unchanged team really does help with the team gelling and uh, you know results will follow. Excellent. Times against us, but just a couple of quick ones. Uh, Shrewsbury getting automatic promotion from League One. What can I get for that? Well, 
if you were fortunate enough to back them at the start of the season, you'd have got 25 to 1. Uh, they are now just 6 to 4. Bloody hell. And Luton scoring 100 plus goals in League Two. That's, I mean, that's going to happen by Christmas, isn't it? Yeah, odds on 1 to 2. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're looking for any more information on that, uh, check out William Hill. You'll find it online in apps and all over the place. Uh, lovely stuff. Right, we are running out of time. Um, we've got a couple of questions here. Uh, Ed Quoth, the Raven, friend of the show, says, who should be more embarrassed with themselves? Neil Morpay for his miss. <laughs> Jordan Archer for his goalkeeping mishap. Or Chris Coleman for taking the Sunderland job. Which one do you think, Matt? I can't catch to save my life. I would take the Sunderland job, so I'm going for Morpay. <laughs> Fair enough. Poor Morpay. Even Neil Warnock put the boot in there. Uh, Dean, uh, do many people get jobs out of football manager? Uh, well, it's um, we we hope that it's uh, something nice for people to put it on their CV. Certainly, um, our volunteers who do so much of our research for us and really, you know, help boost the database for us. But uh, yes, we've got a, a lad, Matt Neal, who's at Plymouth. He's um, he started as a 15-year-old doing our research for Truro and then for Plymouth Argyle, and now he's working for Argyle as a data analyst. So fantastic! You know, it can stuff. be done. Uh, Football Manager 2018 is out now. You find it on Steam if you get it there. It updates itself with all the data updates. Very handy. Uh, There's lots of live football tomorrow night. That's Wednesday night. You can watch Ipswich against Sheffield Wednesday. Barnsley Leeds lunchtime on Saturday. And Sheffield United against Dean's Birmingham in the evening. That's all from us. Remember, drop us a line on Twitter, at The Totally Show. Facebook, at The Totally Football Show. Instagram, Totally Football Show. Let us know uh, the bits of the show you like, the bits of the show you don't like and if it means that we have to seal Matt into a barrel and kick him into the Thames and so be it because your feelings come first Dean thank you so much for being here thank you for inviting me I've really enjoyed it Joe thank you so much for coming in thank you Matt oh, I love you I'm, we're not getting rid of you you're great and you dear listener I'll see you next Tuesday the Totally Football League show is a Muddy Knees Media production for sales and advertising please email us at sales at muddyneesmedia.com